Hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of Count Your Words. Today we are talking about evolution of culture, history of humans, evolution of knowledge and how things have been around different time periods around different parts of the world. So I'm going to be sharing a couple of my thoughts, facts and insights or things I've gained. It's not going to be very nerdy thing. It is just some fun facts and some correlations from different times of the period. My knowledge or insights I gained from reading a couple of books and different podcasts and videos of YouTube. So mostly, mostly I would recommend the book Homo Sapiens uh, to you. It's by Yuval Noah Harari. Amazing person, amazing book. He has a, the first part is Homo Sapiens. The second part is Homo Deus. And the third one is 21 Lessons for 21st Century. So do you know, why did humans evolve so far and so fast and become so dominant even over the other large and stronger species compared to mammoths or elephants? They are stronger than us. Cheetahs are faster than us. Even then, why we, why have we evolved more quickly and spread out more widely as compared to them. So the the fact is, animals take a long time to evolve and adapt to their environment. So a famous example is giraffe. For it to grow its neck to reach the higher branches of trees. For polar bears to grow a thick coat of fur to survive the cold. And uh, different animals having different kind of tooth and claws and different adaptivity skills. There are uh, kangaroos with their uh, sacks and the other marsupials. There are some wonderful creatures in Madagascar as well. There is one creature which has a huge middle finger. It taps the wood and uh, scoops out insects from the tree. It's only found in Madagascar. So the fact is Animals take a lot of time to adapt and evolve. But what humans do is they don't evolve themselves. They they change the environment for their needs. They use the environment for their own cause. So if you're fully feeling cold, traveling to other places, why why wait till you grow a fur? They just why just not use a coat of the animal which you have just hunted down? So so in that way, um, carrying a sack for food, stitching together, if you don't have claws or things to tear open the fur uh, or break the bones, use stone tools, sharp them up, use them as you want. So these kind of things have been, have pushed human forward. <laughs> Another fact is, you know, we are, we are the only species amongst others who can run so fast for such a long distance. So imagine some any other animal running for 20 miles or for 44, 50 kilometers in one in, in that sort of speed. So that's how humans are able to travel long distances and cover spread out throughout the world. They started out, and you know another fun fact, why we don't have claws or what is the benefit of our nail? Well, it's very important because it's because of nail we are able to 
hold on to things scrap things if it if the nail wasn't there there wouldn't be any hard surface behind it to hold on to things so if animals had if we had claws like animals it would hurt ourselves if we tried to fold fist like we do so humans started out in africa they spread out through asia then to the land bridge of western uh, eastern russia and western alaska there was a land bridge many years ago then they from there they went into americas then north america continent then south america and in the meanwhile they went south from the indonesian continent to australia so another cool fact is this i read in a um, book called outliers so where does the sense of pride come from you have heard or read about in movies or seen lot of family disputes and family battles happening and the sense of pride and dying for honor and that sort of thinking so what happens is the regions or societies which grew cattle which were cattle herders they in them as compared to people who farm so in them for somebody else to kill a cow or grab they were very protective of the living animals and people in the family it was like as if losing a part of the family the whole livelihood and the life depended on those animals so if somebody else killed an animal they had to take the revenge and get get from them get back from them on the on the other hand which societies were into agriculture and uh, they required help of the whole community for farming for harvesting and so on so you can see that in different regions so sudan is a place where which is dominant with have been dominant with cattle herding and cattle raising and there have been a lot of these kind of pride related issues there even in india if you talk about this thing about pride comes more in areas like rajasthan and the drier regions whereas in in other places where like kerala or some other place you don't see these kind of issues much another cool fact is about milk and lactose intolerance so earlier i, I didn't understand why do people get uh, lactose intolerant or why why just why so we have been drinking milk since the childhood and what happens why are they de- developing such strange uh, intolerance towards lactose so it is scientifically proven that our enzymes for digesting milk stop or um, stop functioning after a certain age but what have, what have, what has happened is we have domesticated animals and uh, those communities which domesticated animals were able to survive their gene was able to survive as compared to people who were lactose intolerant so people so again the selection of the genes so people in um they people who had dairy products were able to live a longer life as compared to people who didn't in americas there were no cows and uh, in north northern europe or switzerland or you will see they were they had a lot of cattle even in iran and places like that if you talk about ancient civilizations like mesopotamia or egypt 
and so on all these language has have been decoded but the script of indus valley is still not decoded isn't it uh, interesting on i'm looking forward to what those people had to say or what they had written and you know what happened all these civilization got wiped out in a particular period of time i'll link the video to youtube which shows a chart of the whole human race so there was a long period of drought so this whole cities or the whole these civilization started um, crumpling down the, there was loss of population and they started scattering scattering around looking for new source of water new source of food then they traveled to more regions so well, with the agriculture revolution people started settling down but you know what was the bigger output of agriculture revolution it was religion and systems like that so people the myths evolved to keep the society together and the whole system evolved with that you know empires always used religion to expand and to rule over people so if you if talk about india i got this thought from echoes of india the podcast you should also hear so the different rulers at different regions and times adopted or uh, they supported different lords like shivas or vishnu or some preferred buddhism it was to show how how rightfully they are the king and how to impose their position on their subjects same goes with language in there was there were two languages sanskrit and prakrit so people sanskrit was more for the priest and the learned and uh, prakrit was for the common folks so there were many kings and rulers who tried to set a new uh, rule uh, the kings were not allowed so somebody wrote about his his whole pride thing with in sanskrit some people did it in prakrit you know we talk about humans uh, causing lot of devastation to environment and species getting extinct it's not a new case that has happened several times so humans wherever whichever continents they have gone they have affected the environment there made the local animals extinct there were a lot of huge mega animals in australia before the humans had gone there homo sapiens had gone in so these big animals are ignorant of the small creatures what will a small human do to me but these humans got together and killed down the larger animal in a deep and these larger animal didn't produce a lot of children so rapidly maybe once in a year or once in two years so their population started declining and humans have eradicated huge diversity of nature even earlier so cognitive revolution was a big aspect in the evolution of civilization or culture so ability to translate large quantities of information about world and surrounding homo sapiens this had a wider consequence like planning and carrying out complex actions such as avoiding lions lions and hunting bisons the ability to transmit language large quantities of information from sapiens social relationships large and cohesive groups numbering up to 150 individuals were formed because of this from small tribes to from of a family to the groups started growing and it became a village and more the more complex the system and communication became and the 
cognitive evolution happened the more larger the society and the system became the ability to transmit information about things that do not really exist such as tribal spirit nations limited liability company and human rights so things such things are imaginary but humans are able to explain that and form concepts and there are so many things which happen without directly communicating communicating or indicating with somebody because of these beliefs and systems so cooperation between very large number of strangers somebody we are we are listening and talking to each other through this network and we are able to exp- explain concepts of large magnitude and carry out businesses functions livelihood through this so that's an interesting part of the evolution rapid innovation in social behavior came with this so what was the success definition of success earlier so in roman times or earlier periods it was maybe pride of winning wars now now it, it, it is like selling nfts or getting a job or having many other material things uh, somebody thinking about fighting and occupying and conquering those thoughts have been subsided so having a big hunt might have been a bigger deal in past now likes and followers on social media are a big thing uh, there is a interesting image of louis the 14th as compared to barack obama and uh, how fashion has changed over time so in the 18th century this official portrait of king louis the 14th of france what you see here is a long wig he is wearing a stocking he is wearing a high heeled shoes and he is standing in a dance posture along with a huge sword in contemporary europe all these aspects except the sword would be considered as feminine or effeminacy mark of effeminacy but in times of louis of the europe the propaganda of manhood and virility was in this kind of costume as compared to what we wear now the suits and the black and white dress and blazers it's very bland so where what happened to the wig and the heels and the swords the dominant men if you see the dominant men never really looked so dull as compared to the history look at look at the colorful and the flamboyant history such as american indians all of them wore all of them represented themselves with a lot of color and you can see in the images so the in american indian chiefs with their feather head headdress the hindu maharajas out in the silk and diamond even in the animal kingdom if you see the males are the one which are more colorful and accessorized as than female think of the peacock's tail if you talk about money uh, there is this book amazing book called ascent of money uh, which you must read there is an incident from that which i would like to share with you so there was this person called john law he created the he created the first joint stock company and printing out shares so he was a criminal who ran away from uh, uk and came to netherlands and then came to and he was a gambler there and he first came across the joint stock companies in 
in in the Netherlands that Dutch East India Company and so on and so forth were happening there and people were investing. So he came up with some new ideas and to implement that he wanted a proper kingdom to implement. So he went to France and over there he started raising funds. He became the economical head of the country. So he had control of all the three major things. The minting of money, printing of the shares of a company and uh, the economy. So this company of his was promising land in Louisiana, in, in US and printing out shares. So people are buying it. And he said, okay, this shares will be refundable and you will get the amount of gold back as you have deposited. So to increase the value of shares, he, and he is the first creator of a financial bubble. So the value and the promise as the people started starting finding, uh, finding value in this, they started speculating. So they started buying in. So he started printing more currency for people to buy the stock, printing more shares for people to share. So this kept on growing up until a point where people in Louisiana actually started dying and they started coming back and the, the whole promise seemed to be false. So the whole economy went into collapse. Uh, that's interesting. You can read, check up more about him. Concept of marriage has also changed a lot in these years. So before for money or for empire or women didn't have right to choose whom they like to marry with. They were usually... The marriage was a social event where families became the family ties became stronger for political or business regions, and that's how things were. And uh, later on, in the past fifty years or hundred years, the women were part of a family, and they were just considered to be involved in the domestic uh, items, washing, cooking, uh, growing children. But how things have changed now. Women are almost into all things what men do. And this couldn't have been imagined even 20, 25, 50 years back. Forget about hundreds of years and before that time. Now talking about God, God is usually considered as the gap filler. So God is a gap filler. Whatever science cannot prove, people have found a way to put God's name or find reasoning with God in it. This first time I heard it from the person called Neil deGrasse Tyson. He has got an amazing podcast called Star Talks. So before gods would live above the sky, and as people didn't know what happened above in the sky, they said God lives above the sky and it point upwards. And now as we have been to the moon and beyond, our satellites have been across the solar system. Now God lies where before the Big Bang. What happened before Big Bang? So there was God. So <laughs> there are two types of gods. One is the mysterious God, which we don't know about, or or we are still discovering or the things which we don't know about. But there is another God which are in the scriptures where people definitely know what that God likes or doesn't like, or whom to marry or how to marry, or what things are to be done in the morning, evening, or on Sundays, and so on and so forth, to precise details. So people usually switch between these. First, they start with that and they start giving reasons and then they suddenly switch to the other. So it's an interesting aspect of society. And there are still, of course, people are in the, entitled to their own beliefs. But I'm just fascinated by the 
diversity in the whole the whole beliefs and the myths you know my first tweet was god is just a source of confidence i had done it back in 2010 or 11 uh, talking about god and interpreting god these books the religious books like bible or quran were not made by single person they have been a compilation of knowledge of throughout and local stories in that region compiled together different you will find a lot of similarities between the torah of jewish people the book they follow is the old testament the new testament or the newer version of bible is very similar to the quran and the stories are very similar so um muhammad had traveled to israel and there to get to know about these people and he has a very nice story as well you should check it out he's a he was born in a merchant family so point which i'm trying to make is how things evolve and how things change in mecca in there was a kaaba and there were there were idols inside that of different tribal communities there and they would still worship that place in that time i don't know what happened or what he did or why he did whatever he did i'm sure it must be a great cause but he demolished those idols and established that god is a single person god is just one and he's allah and so on and so forth so do you think how does interpretation has come in or do you see any parallels between that what he did and the moguls and babar and these people uh, coming into india and destroying temples i have myself seen temples in khajura where the limbs the face and hands and the legs and the equipments have been broken down in temples and that the temples have become like a khandar which call in hindi so even babar had quoted that he has he is doing whatever he is doing for religious merits there is another i was very curious about this and what what is the ideology so i found uh, tarik fateh's videos and conversation interesting i'm i'm not following any one person and just saying i am always referring to new medias and just being cautious because this is a sensitive topic when it comes to religion but i also have my right to explain my things or uh, express my opinion so i had actually done an nft on this islamophobic or are there extremes in all religions what we there are people who get brainwashed and they are usually people from the back lower economic stand data or they brought into the religion or converted religion by giving food or money on some aspects these are the most vulnerable people to the extreme ideology people can use them and change their ideology to make them do whatever they want to do, get accomplished so the whole terrorist uh, which we call and for them it is not terror for them it is they are doing meritorious things for god they'll go in heaven and so on and so forth so these thoughts evolve i think there are extremes in all religions but the whole of the community shouldn't be hated for this there are good folks in all places and uh, in atheist as well and all other places so just think a little who can understand and maybe try to share with people try to 
make them aware of facts around these things so that's it guys and this was going to be a session of the count your words but i have to do it anyways because i have put a resolution no matter anyone comes or not i had to do a monologue monologue i said i'll do a monologue even if it takes that because i need to publish a podcast regularly every week and just like as we discussed in the previous episodes about habit even if it is of 5 10 minutes or 15 minutes i have decided to do that do this every week and uh, let's see how it evolves thank you mary thank you very much for listening in and i'm sure with this podcast you will see the growth of my thoughts throughout the years uh, in throughout decades and you can trail back incidents and thoughts to whatever i accomplish or whatever i am known whatever i do in future to today so thank you very much for tuning in this is the first recorded episode on twitter i mean the record option i just see right now on the twitter before i wouldn't see that and uh, i'm happily amused that this space hasn't got dragged or closed down i will share this and uh, make a podcast of this clipping with some audios which i have got from the past sessions the voices you'll be hearing in the upcoming clip are of phil laura and nikhil yes i am going to share with you guys a book that i read um it's called the map of knowledge i saw this book and i was like hmm what is this so it talks about a thousand years a thousand year history of how classical ideas were lost and found and uh it's always interesting to see how things evolved over the years you know and going way back in the past and you know based sometimes you can say okay it's based on someone's opinion i get it but in between the lines there's always some you know truth just like we enter any every rumor this truth that's somewhere in there you know there's some some actual facts but people usually should code stuff but they're talking about the foundation of knowledge obviously started with the greeks who uh who had written scrolls and you know stored them in libraries uh in the across the mediterranean and beyond you know and and uh during those periods the vast uh Roman empire got destroyed i mean and including some of their libraries and precious texts in the books they talk about you know people uh burying some of the books you know because they didn't want them to get stolen or seized uh some people put them underground you know they came back and they found the books were destroyed because uh, of weathering you know they were not protected so that knowledge ended and then as we go past to the future years christianity became started becoming a big uh uh you know kind of had a big following and uh, with christianity they rejected some of the knowledge that was written uh by the greek and the classical knowledge some of them were destroyed some people tried to save them and how those things got saved is by individuals from different you know from you know homes who stored them safely uh hidden hid them from the public for a really long time you know and uh and if you look at the world where 
you know, this, that's what, that was the period of the dark ages, so to speak. And manuscripts were just passed hand to hand. And that's pretty much how they survived. Um, uh, and then we had, uh, as, as time went by, you, you had people who, uh, who, whose mission was just to find some of these books and put them in a library. Um, and, uh, and of course, and if we jump to the 18th century, the Arabs who discovered the Greek learning, uh, they started, uh, they started uh, learn, uh, the Greek learning started using this in their, in their in, in civilization. Then, uh, but at that time, the Arabs also started getting, you know, into science and physics and, uh, you know, and discovered so many things that, of course, they don't get, they don't get so much credit for, but they made a lot of impact at that time, the Arabs. And then, of course, uh, you know, then translation became also an issue, you know, as we move to the uh, uh, earlier centuries, uh, translation was an issue. And then we started get the, the went into, um, to the uh, period of uh, printing and, and, you know, you can see from history why, um, why the English language was prevalent because the printing of the words was much easier than the Arabic writing. And when the printing became uh, a thing of just uh, developing a lot of uh, uh, repeated documents where they can share with more people, I think in the, uh, I was talking about in the Arab Arab side, it was very difficult. They didn't adapt to the printing experience. So the knowledge almost slowed down at that part and, you know, dramatically affected the environment. But on the West, you could see the printing became this this big thing. And, uh, you know, exchange of knowledge became part of and parcel of schools and, and all those institutions. And you can actually get books and share them. Uh, but, of course, when you go to the – that was in the 15th century. That's the Renaissance period. And then, of course, uh, and, and, and uh, definitely when um, – when people started learning and they discovered paper, then knowledge was able to be maintained. Uh, there were collectors, like just NFT collectors, who actually took in some of those uh, books and, and stored them. Some created libraries. You had to pay to walk, get in to read those books. So special people of high class uh, in stature were the only ones who were allowed to have access to those uh, high-level high knowledge book, philosophy and uh, physics and whatever astronomy and uh but if but but as we keep move on to the future which is today which is now the information age now knowledge is, is available in abundance we now walk we your cell phone is pretty much the planet you walk with the planet in your pocket or the palm of your hands so the origin was history was formed uh destroyed uh and then restored by a few few people who, who, who loved and cherished them and collected them, and uh, also the distribution of knowledge through printing and newspapers and all that stuff. And now, uh, as, as we move today, is technology, which is abundance of free information. So uh, the book is called The Map of Knowledge, and I'm going to pin it up for everybody to, uh, to take a look at. And uh, yeah, take a look and let me know what you guys think. If you have any questions, 
yeah, thank you so very much. Hey, hey, Joe, I, I think, uh, and sorry if I'm cutting you off there, Tenmei, um, I think what you speak to is super relevant. And um, one quote that comes to my mind immediately as you're speaking about the book is, uh, history was written by the winners, right? And yes, beyond yes. that is, um, I have, I have uh, some background, um, some cultural background um, related to Hawaii. And um, I don't know uh, how experienced everyone here on the call is with Hawaii. I think most people associate Hawaii with being a vacation destination, right? And I'm sure uh, right now, wherever we are in the world, I w I'm sure we all wish we were in Hawaii. Um, but one thing that a lot of people um, don't know is that Hawaii was illegally annexed. Um, what that means is that they were overthrown by the United States government um, illegally in the late 1800s, I believe, and that I could be corrected there. Um, but interesting enough to speak to your point, Joe, um, one of the first ways or one of the first things they did to accomplish this, and it was pretty swift, like this overthrow, um, you know, was accomplished in no, no more than about eight to 10 years, right? So one of the initial things they did to kind of accomplish this goal was they burned and eliminated the, the Hawaiians' written word. Right. And it speaks to how important it is um, that history is, you know, transferred over and passed down from gener generation to generation through the written, written word. And um, if you do, if you study um, Hawaiian history, what you'll find is that um, this illegal annexation is used in a, in a bunch of use cases and studies to prove that written word, right, the elimination of written word is the easiest way to eliminate a language. And so when you look at the Hawaiian population today in the world, what you'll find is not only just a bunch of mixed races amongst their population, but you'll find that there is a very minuscule amount of people who speak the native language. And a lot of that is to blame for, uh, you know, uh, America's ability to uh, eliminate their written word um, very early on in the late 1800s. So what you're speaking to is very real, you know, and it's super significant and, and it's a very efficient way to kind of uh, maneuver through history. So really interested in the book. Uh, really, really would appreciate it if you pinned it up there. Definitely want to look into it. But yeah, just yeah. really, uh, really funny and small world, right? I, I, I bring up a book that you currently just finished, and then you bring up a book that has a lot to do with my cultural background. Um, you know, just want to thank Tanme and Laura again for hosting this really unique space. Yeah, it's, that's a, oh, sorry, uh, Tanme, you, your hands was up, so I'll, I'll speak after you. Thanks. Yeah, Prodigy, you're so kind. Uh, you've been participating and being here and sharing your insights on all the topics. So thank you very much. We'd love to have you, uh, just like Phil and Nikhil, in all our uh, future discussions and rooms. So I will just refresh the room. Uh, today we are talking about habits, but it was wonderful to hear the evolution of uh, knowledge and history. So I think, Laura, next week we should do a room on evolution and history. And I will add this segment in that episode. And uh, uh, no, we can discuss Noel Noah, uh, Noah Harari's books. And there are so many books to discuss. So thank you, Phil, for that. Uh, yeah, good so, back good so many. I, I know we, are, we, are, we have to listen to other, other speakers 100%. But uh, man, you, um, uh, Pori G. How, how do you pronounce your name, by the way? It's it's poetry. So just think porridge poetry. and poetry put together. Yeah. It's, it's, nice, nice. Sorry about that. 
No, that's okay. That's okay. I just wanted a forgery. Awesome, man. So it's amazing you said that. So there's another last one. Uh, I'll be done. There's another book called The Age of Wonder. Have you seen that? Have you heard of that book? The Age of Wonder. I'll, I'll pin it up. I'm just trying to figure out how to pin stuff. Uh, the Age of Wonder talks about Hawaii. Hawaii is actually a destination during that period where people used to go and they said that they saw the most beautiful women in the world and and people from all over Europe used to used to like you know spe- uh, save money just to go and and be there and see these women. Of course, you know what happens when this these guys get there, and that's why it's so mixed. It's just a whole host of uh, you know uh, you know different type of. Uh, I'd say a mixture of cultures because I think uh, at that time, you know, there was there was a period of just people used to write stories to each other that there's this land of most beautiful people on the planet or this land of gold, which is maybe in Africa or something, where you there's treasures and all that. And those things were, at that time, were, were just so part of the buzzword, just like metaverse and NFT right now. Everybody's running towards you know, something. Uh, and uh, so I, I could I completely, uh, you know, I really appreciate you saying that because it just put things in perspective of, you know, what what's really going on there in Hawaii. So back at you. Thank you. Nope. Thank you so much for the, for the constructive feedback, brother. And uh, you, you bring up a great point, right? Like early on in history, it was like a really mystified location. And then, you know, as politics began to grow, uh, Hawaii became nothing more than just like a political territory for the, you know, to be the hub for the Pacific. Right. So um, you bring up a great point. And um, I look forward to connecting with you, brother, as we move forward. And uh, to Tanmay's point, I look forward to being a part of this space just in our in our short time together. Um, this is a really unique, awesome space and can't thank everyone in this space enough. You know, Phil, I'm actually curious about this. And Tanmay, I'm sorry, we are drifting away from the habit books, but I have to ask this to Phil. Um, Was there anything about Asian history, about scripts and, and, and their texts? Because me as obviously I, I'm from Latvia, from Europe, you know, we, we always learn European history. And there is, I mean, I think everybody learns about European history, you know, and obviously America learns about American history. And then there is so much more like in my school, in, in, in school time during education, I didn't get to learn much. I get to learn something, um, a little bit touch about Africa, South America, not really much about Australia, something about Asia, but you know, we we miss out on so much uh, richness, cultural richness, <laughs> richness in the world. Um, and I was just curious if this book spoke also about other um, like Asia. I mean, I know Chinese culture is massive, and they have medicine and just so much of everything. So. That's that's my curiosity and question. Yeah, that's interesting. I think it, they mainly focus on the on the like you know uh, like pro um, gosh pro pro prodigy pro prodigy yeah like prodigy said um, the winners are the ones who get to write this story and they can just write whatever they want they can uh, 
they can write them in a romantic way that seems like very heroic and you know maybe add elements to convince you that it was very you know, like they had all the might and knowledge and strategy and everything uh but the book goes all the way from the greek periods and uh i think touches that 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 scientific knowledge that's what we're using today you know the kind of uh systems that we're applying to today so i think they touched very not so much on the asian experience they did touch on part of asia but not that much uh mostly focusing on uh you know on uh on on uh on the greek and also the introduction of christianity um and then of course the printing press which which now became which pushed accelerated that form of knowledge to what we live in today right now so but yes you're right there's there's uh, this is the thing about cultures there's so many there's a lot of information in different cultures that we don't even know or we're just ignore we're just not paying attention to but they could have tapped in into into a, a different way of thinking that that is probably even the best way of of living you know we just we we've just or we've just been taught not to really pay attention to those that experience but now i think we're almost getting into the period where people now are more curious now information is available no one wants repetitive stuff people want authentic uh stories and experiences and maybe for the first time we can now get into a much deeper uh knowledge of you know a higher 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 form of learning than just what we been learning from day one but you know tapping into maybe a a human experience maybe our forefathers they figured something out that we need to we need to kind of live with so uh i hope that helped a little bit i mean thank you thank you i also see that the more access to information we have and obviously internet has a big part of it we we have chance to learn so much and i i want to emphasize that if we don't know about certain cultures it doesn't mean that they were they didn't win because obviously china is on its own it's its own dragon it's its own winner and um i think it's gongzhu means the the center uh in in chinese it means the center of the world and they were in their own world obviously because it's massive and that's why we that's why they are good on their own they don't need us you know but at the same time it coexisted and and as we learn so much about them like the, 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 their medicine is like so freaking fantastic it can heal literally everything you know and we don't know so much and they have their own myth and and literature and just so rich and i mean china is a big dragon you know but <laughs> there are so many other cultures for example also hawaii culture you know and it's just when we come together we can learn from each other and we get much so much more richer by this knowledge by experience by culture by customs you know yeah that's it and i know tanmay was rugged so i'm just trying to get him back 
Yeah, I, I think Laura, you're you're absolutely right. And and just to just to add, as as an Asian myself and Asia for just to bring the, bring the focus around the fact that it's it's bigger than uh, Southeast Asia, uh, India, Middle East, all of it would be uh, would be part of Asia as a geographical continent. Uh, we we tend to definitely see that bias that you mentioned around. Uh, publications focusing on their part of the world and given the fact that the West is uh, still pretty much the biggest powerhouse uh, that still drives a lot of that agenda in the sense of not having enough exposure to um, to cultures outside of Europe and, and the West in general especially in the in the uh, in the English speaking slash European language speaking community. But uh, there's definitely a lot of a uh, lot of material out there, uh, you know. And as as we just discussed, we could probably think of uh, an entire session around, uh, you know. I wouldn't want to call it uh, hidden histories, but more uh, around um, histories that people, especially uh, in the larger sort of global audience, might not have heard of. Thank you very much. See you on Wednesday. Wednesday is a session with famous Russian model. She's a health coach as well. So do join in for that. We have got some amazing NFTs for you. I have a collection of 3D animated, abstract and figurative NFTs. If you want to have an immersive experience of my artworks, I would insist you to visit my virtual gallery. Laura's collection is a fusion of fashion and art NFTs inspired from our own fashion shows and our unique art style. If you want to know how to buy your NFT or if you want to know how to create one, do get in touch. All links have been mentioned in description. Cheers!